Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is. I mean, are you completing him today? Boy, isn't that a great, great passage? Take your Bibles, go over to Romans. Romans chapter 4. I'll tell you what, the Bible is just a great book. It'll keep you out of trouble if you let it. If you don't, it won't. <laughs> I mean, it's really up to us. Chapter 4, verse 13. Chapter 4, four verse 13. And then I'm going to jump down to verse 17. It says, For the promises that he, talking about Abraham, uh, should be the heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Down to verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God who quickened the dead and called those things which, were, uh, which be not as though they were, who's, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to uh, that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred uh, years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise uh, of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and him and, and being fully persuaded that he had uh, what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Father, thank you uh, for your blessings this morning. Thank you for everybody that came out to church this morning. Lord, I just pray for all those that are in hearing distance. Lord, that you just give them something this morning that would uh, perk them up and give them uh, just the strength to go on for just a little bit longer. Lord, I think you're coming back soon. Uh, I don't think we have much longer the way this world is going. But Lord, until we do, Lord, until you do come back and call us out of here, uh, Lord, we have a job to do. I just pray that you'd help us to do it. Thank you for everything, Lord. If there's anyone in the room today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, today would be a great day for them to get saved. Lord, we pray for Cornerstone that you'd bless uh, Brother Siler over there, that you'd touch him, give him what that church needs uh, in the time that they're going through. And Father, again, uh, thank you for his fellowship. We'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Uh, the title of this message is Fully Persuaded. Boy, that, that song they just sang, Complete in Thee. Uh, you, you, you need to realize today that you are complete in him, and that is the, the groundwork of everything, the foundation. Uh, uh, Andrew, I think, or somebody was preaching the other day, and they were talking about uh, you could build your house on sand or you could build it on a rock. That foundation is Jesus Christ, and that's a rock. And once you get on that rock, the key to this whole thing of Christian walk is being fully persuaded. You know what will keep you in this race? Being fully persuaded. You know what will get you through trials and tribulation? Being fully persuaded. You know what will get you through the sufferings of life? Being fully persuaded. You need to be fully persuaded today. Paul says Abraham was fully persuaded. How in the world did you get to be fully persuaded? You didn't. I remember the day I got saved. I wasn't fully persuaded the day I got saved. I was persuaded. I knew what I needed to do, but I wasn't fully persuaded. It took some time to get fully persuaded. I st as soon as I read that passage and I come down through there, and, and Abraham said that uh, Paul is talking here. It says, and being fully persuaded, talking about Abraham, that what he had promised God, he was able to perform. There's three things there I want to look at. Persuaded, promised, and performed. Now, you need to, number one, be persuaded that God is who he says he is. And that he can, that he's got promises for you because of who he is. But it's not just that he has the promises that he will perform those promises. 
I know one day, I, I'm a, I believe in eternal life. I believe that once you get saved, you're always saved. What is that? That's a promise. And, and if anybody can perform it, he's the only one that can. Paul starts talking about it. He keeps bringing Abraham up. He'll bring Lot up. He'll bring Esau up. He'll bring Jacob up. He talks about Old Testament saints. I said in the, in the Sunday school lesson that when you get in your New Testament, he's always referring back to the Old Testament, and he's showing you through there people's lives and what is going on in their life and, and how you can watch them, guys, and, and then you can live your life out here. Uh, living a Christian life in a world where there's no instructions or anything else, and, it, and it's just not, I, I believe, I'm going to push a button and, and fate, and I'm just going to let everything fall into place. That's not the way it works. you got a Bible sitting in front of you, and you do what the book says or it, it won't work. It may work and look okay for a while until you get there. Then you're going to find that it didn't work. Uh, what you got to do is pick up his book. Abraham, what God was doing was showing Abraham some stuff. So I'm going to look at three people here. I'm going to look at Abraham. I'm going to look at Job, and I'm going to tell you the third guy here in a minute. Abraham got fully persuaded. How did he do that? Number one, Abraham had to leave his home. Uh, the Lord told him over in Genesis, take your Bibles, go to Genesis. Let's, since we're Bible believers, let's open up a Bible. Just look at a couple of verses. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going through Genesis right now, uh, eternal Genesis. I'll get through it one day. It's like going back to Bible college. We had Genesis for two years in Bible college. Dr. Rupp wasn't that long. But he had 90 people or 100 people, 145 people he had to get through. And uh, he did it. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and, and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. Now, that very first verse there, is, it says, Now the Lord had, past tense, said, he told Abraham earlier, whenever Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham knew exactly what he should do. Uh, sometimes the Lord will show us something or tell us something, and we just don't do what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it. Uh, I, I related a story during Sunday school class about me taking a test one time that I should have never took. And the Lord told me not to take that test, and I took that test. And, I mean, it worked out, and I'm here today, and I'm still alive and everything else, but, boy, it could have worked out a lot different if I hadn't have taken that test. I still might have made chief on another test. That, is, have you ever heard that old saying, uh, the will of God is sometimes now, uh, not now, or maybe later? Uh, maybe you just need to wait uh, and listen what the Lord says. No, I, I mean, I was trying to make everybody happy. You know you can't make people happy? I don't know about you, but you can try whatever you want to try. You can make them happy for a minute, but people are fickled. Uh, if, if you don't believe that, go look in the mirror and look at yourself and think about your life. At 65 years old, I look back in my life and I'm like, Elliot, you did some stupid stuff. Uh, and, and women are definitely fickled. You got to watch them, ladies, man. They'll, they'll get you in trouble every single time. Uh, they have no, they, they all run on emotion. I mean, it's like they're, they're full of emotion, 100%. And you, you, you trip that liver, lever, man, it's like a steam kettle going, Wee! I can't even do it, my voice is gone. It'll start whistling. And it gets louder and louder and louder and louder until you do something about it, man. You got to take it off the heat. You got to get the heat off. But being fully persuaded, Abraham, Abraham was told exactly what to do. He had to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Sometimes you got to do stuff that, that may or may not make sense. But man, this is where I live. I've been here my whole time life. I've been here. Uh, this is where I was born and this was where I raised. All my friends and family are here and the Lord's telling me, this entity is telling me, I have to leave. I have to leave. Uh, the, this is the only place he ever knew. 
Uh, sometimes, brethren, God calls us out. And I remember going in the Navy. I was in Louisville, Kentucky. I, that didn't even bother me about leaving Louisville. I don't know why. I mean, didn't even. My mom right now, to, even to this day, she's 90 years old over in a nursing home. All she can think about is getting back to Kentucky. I'm like, why? I'm like, what is there for you right now? Now, if it's your home and you love it, and that's, that's fine. But I mean, at 90 years old, uh, you're lucky to even get out of bed in the morning. And if you do get out of bed, wherever you're at, that's pretty good. I mean, you're not going to be 20 anymore. You're not going to be 40 or 50 or 60. You're 90. And there's only so much you can do. She goes, well, I had my hip replaced. I mentioned this before, but I had my hip replaced. I should be up running. I'm like, wait a second. For the last two years, you've been sitting on the couch. You had not been running in the last two years. What makes you think you're going to run today? But it's amazing what our minds will think. If you sit somewhere in a dark, dingy little place and that's all you do, your mind's going to start racing and running. And pretty soon you'll have all different kinds of things. Sometimes it's best to leave where you're at. Sometimes it's best. And God knows best. Genesis 12 said, now the Lord had. The Lord had already told him. If you go back into Genesis 11, it says, and Terah, uh, verse 31, it says, and Terah took Abraham his son and Lot, uh, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah's daughter, and went and, uh, with them from Ur the Chaldees. Abraham tells his dad what's going on. His dad sees a good thing. I, I'm going to get into this thing too. I don't know what Ur of the Chaldees was. It was probably a pretty good place. But Ur, uh, Terah said, hey, I'll, I'll leave with you guys. And, and next thing you know, he's got a whole caravan going with him, and Abraham was the only one supposed to go. You look at all the problems that occurred after what Abraham did and all the stuff that he had to deal with. Lot ended up, uh, his two daughters messed up. His wife's turned into a pillar of salt. Being involved in a place where two angels had to come down to start with to get you out of there is just not a place to be in. That's where Lot was. Lot would have never had that probably if he'd stayed in Ur of the Chaldees. But he didn't. Abraham was told to leave by himself, not with his family, not his dad, not his cousins, not his brothers, not his, you, you leave. Sometimes, brethren, God tells you what to do. He doesn't tell nobody else. And you can tell all the people you want, and they may get in, try to get in on the blessings of God. But the, really, the thing is for you. God is trying to get you to where you're fully persuaded. What's wrong with our culture today is nobody is fully persuaded. You can tell that by the elections. The closer you get to elections, everything changes. And, and people say, oh, this person's going to get all oh, that person. And then by the time you get to the election, everything, you know why? Because oh, everybody's out to persuade somebody to move to their side. I think you ought to just be persuaded to move to God's side and just stay right there and forget everything else. I like that way, man. I, just, I don't think you should be on my side. I think you should be on the Lord Jesus Christ's side and stay right there. And guess what? He'll take care of you. Abraham decided to go also. His father decided. He took, him, he took a lot with him. Abraham said that. They headed, they headed to the land of Canaan. He was told exactly what to do. How many times do we do? Now, I'm talking about being fully persuaded. You've got to go through some things in life like Abraham had to go to, through to get to the place where you're fully persuaded. Because one of these days, the Lord's going to ask you to do something that, that if you're not fully persuaded, you won't do. And if you, don't, if you do do it, you'll do it half-heartedly. And he don't want you to do it half-heartedly. He wants you to do it with all your gusto. I mean, 100%, 150%. Because you know it's the right thing to do. Abraham is sitting here, and, and uh, he, he started to head to Canaan. They, get, they go to, uh, to Haran. Uh, go down to uh, verse 4, chapter 12, verse 4, Genesis. So Abraham departed 
as the Lord had spoken unto him. No, not as the Lord had spoken unto him, because he took away everybody with him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and five years old when they departed out of Haran. He'd been in Haran for a while. He stopped. He didn't get down. You know, sometimes you miss the blessings of God by stopping where you shouldn't stop. They were in Haran. His dad died at 205 years old. Abraham, 75 here. So if you backtrack that thing down, you're at 140 years when Abraham was born of Terran. And you go up here, it says, and Haran died before, and Abraham uh, and Nahor took uh, their wives of Sarah. It says, and Terah took Abraham, Lot's son. Somewhere in the period it says, uh, Terah lived, oh yeah, verse 26. And Terah lived 70 years and begot Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. So Abraham, uh, Terah is 76 when he has some kids. But Abraham's 75 years old when he leaves Haran. If you subtract that from 205, that means that, that Terah didn't have Abram until he was 140. Somewhere in 140, they leave there. And, and now he's 75 years old and probably 30, he's married to Sarah. So probably 30 to 40 years old when they enter Haran. He's in Haran for 20, 30 years, wasted 20 to 30 years. Some amount of his life was wasted in Haran because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. However, He's on the road to being fully persuaded. You know what you got to do sometimes? Just live life. You can't always look back and say, oh, I blew it here and I blew it here and God will never use me. Yeah, I throw that stuff out the stinking window. What you got to do is just say, okay, I messed up back here, but today is a, today's a new day. I woke up this morning. Sun is shining. I had to go in and turn. Anybody cold in here? Anybody hot? Everybody's just fine. You're hot. You got one hot. Swap places. One of the, hot or cold? I was going to say, man, you got two hot people, can't swap them, man. They're going to be miserable no matter where they're at. So y'all just, two, we, we go by majority rule here. We got the majority text, majority rules. I was going to say, I came in here this morning freezing. I went back and turned the heaters off, turned the air conditioners down. Uh, Beth was looking at me like, you did what? <laughs> I mean, icicles hanging off the ceilings, man. I said, it's, you know, it is starting to get fall, fallish, winterish. I got on the wood split. I'm ready to go, man. I mean, I can keep warm for the whole winter now. Come on over. You can keep you warm too. But, but he possibly wasted 20 to 30 years of his life. And you say, well, that was wasted. No, it really wasn't wasted. He's learning some things. One life to live. That's all you got, one life. And what you need to do is Abraham did the right thing. He's starting to head in the right direction. He leaves Ur of the Chaldees. He didn't go. Abraham had to leave eventually and separate himself from his family. Your family sometimes will be a detriment to you. They always say blood is thicker than water. Yeah, Jesus' blood is thicker than the blood of my family, which is like water to me. When it comes to Jesus Christ, it is him first and everybody else second. And brethren, I tell you what, you know what it takes? It takes a fully persuaded mind to get there. Now, I'm not going to tell you once you get fully persuaded, you're going to do everything right. That don't happen ever. There, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Uh, for all is, we're all sinners. There's no way you're going to get out of that. But to be fully persuaded means that you're just, you're, you're there. You're done with listening to what this world has to say. You know what I do all the time? I, I have to let stuff come in these ears and then I have to say, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Forget that, man. I don't care what, you, I don't even like my radio. Every time I turn it on, it's the same thing. I've turned it on recently and I, I shut it off for a year or two and then I turn it back on. It's, it's like I never turned it off. Yeah. Everybody's saying the exact same thing. They're still... It's not going to get any better. It does this. And, and everybody thinks, you know, this thing with, with Trump. I, I'm, I'm not a Trumpite. 
But if you can't see that that's a farce, man, I mean, but again, how do you know what you're seeing is true? They, uh, Zuckerberg, face trash, face, fake, uh, fake book or whatever it is, uh, came on and said the FBI came in and told him, if you don't do this, that you got to suppress the story about Biden and his son. So nobody can say, you're not being told the truth that way. You're not being Twitter, Twitface, any of that stuff. You're not being told the truth. You're getting told something that drives the emotions inside of you. You know what most people do? They hear something that they want to hear anyways, and their flesh takes off with it, and they run with it. And they don't, it doesn't matter whether it's truth or not. They don't care whether it's truth. It could be a total lie, but it, it meets their requirement, and now they get mad, and they won't even talk to you. Why? Because they know that what, if they do, they're going to have to hear the truth. I don't want to hear the truth. I want the lie. I'm, I'm happy in my lie. That's the world. That's where wars start. That's where fights start. Abraham had to leave. Abraham and Lot had to part ways. You know the story of Abraham and Lot. Lot went down to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah and, and had to get killed. Had to have, uh, the whole place got wiped out because of Lot. He heads up into the, the mountains. He didn't get killed, but heads up in the mountains. His wife turns to a pillar of salt, and that's a mess. Abraham had to give the most precious thing he had before he could understand in himself what fully persuaded was. He got a wife, and they were 90 and 100. He's 100, she's 90. And he thinks there ain't no way, and the Lord says she's going to have a baby. And he, she has that baby, and it freaks him out. And then he has to take that son up on the side of a mountain somewhere and offer him for a sacrifice. And the Lord stops just before he does it. But you know what that showed? That he was fully persuaded. He was dead serious. Take your Bible, go to Job chapter 1. Just look at Job for a moment. This won't, this won't be a very long message, I promise you. I'm almost halfway through. Job, Job lived a life that most would, would say was separated. Uh, Job is uh, the oldest, oldest book in your Bible is the book of Job sitting here. I love the book of Job. I'm going through it right now. Uh, I'm coming up to the end out there where uh, Elihu's going to step in. I love Elihu. He's just a little young guy that's sitting there that uh, has been listening. He's respectful to older people. Uh, you can always tell somebody who, who loves the Lord by how they act around older people. Anybody that has to, to interject themselves all the time into somebody else's life, there's a problem there. You can always guarantee there's a problem there. Uh, Elihu kept his mouth shut for uh, 32 chapters, never said a word. Now he's welling up inside and he's bubbling inside and he wants to say something. But he, he's, he, there's three wiser men there and there's Job. And, and if, if I can't get something from these four guys, I'm not going to get it. You know, God will sometimes put people in your lives to give you something. If we, we, we got two ears. That's why he gave us two ears. Otherwise, you'd have an ear on your head. Your ear would be here. You'd have one eyeball and one nose and one mouth, and that's all you'd need. Everything's equal. It's not. You got two ears to hear. So you ought to listen twice as much as you talk. You say, yeah, Mike, when are you going to shut up? Oh, I will. I'll be done here in a minute. Maybe. I keep saying that. Job. Job lived a life. I mean, he was separated as you could get. He's out there on his, and his he probably has 10,000 million acres, all kinds of sheep, cattle, everything else. He was aware. Go down to verse uh, 5. I like Job chapter 1, verse 5. One's good, too. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. God must have thought a whole lot about Job that he would do this and write this book. Man, I'll tell you what, hang on. Oh, let's see if I can find it. Let's see if I can find it. You ever, you ever just sit down and read your Bible? Go over to uh, chapter 19. Job's going through it. He's going through it like you wouldn't believe. 
Every time I read his book, I almost start crying because I, I see how he's going. And I see how his friends are treating him. And they don't understand what this man is going through. You can tell by their conversations. They really don't have a clue what this man's going through. He had done lost his kids. He's lost his wealth. He's lost everything. Now his friends are after him. Uh, but verse 23, 19, 23 says, Oh, that my words, this is Job talking. Oh, that my words were now written in a book. Written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and, and that he shall stand the latter days upon the earth. You know what I put? I got a little note out there. I said, Job, there are in a book. <laughs> I got them right here. They're right in the book. They're right here. I said, thank you. I got it written right there. That man went through a lot of stuff. So years down the road, thousands of years down the road, I can read that book. And that thing could change my life. Amen. Job didn't have this when he was going through what he was going through. He goes, oh, that it was written in a book. <laughs> God got it. You know what a lie who's doing? Lies are writing that stuff down, man. He said, I'm going to catch everything said here. He already probably had his sermon written out over here. He knew what he's going to do, 32 to 38. He already knew what he's going to say, but he's writing everything down. Verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5. And it was so when the days of their feasting, because all the kids got together and was partying all the time, were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to, to the number of, all, of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Job was a cautious man, very cautious. Job was uh, concerned about his kids. He covered up their sins, and he was consistent in what he did. Constantly. You know why God loved him? But you know what Job was? Job still wasn't fully persuaded right here. He had to go through everything he had to go through in his life. Go ahead to chapter 42. He had to go through things. He lost his friends. He lost his wealth. He lost everything. Job chapter 42. He had to lose everything. I mean it all. All of it. All of it. Sometimes the best thing you can do is lose everything you got. Get back down to ground zero, figure out exactly really what is good and what is bad, and then move from there. Job chapter 42. Then Job answered. After the Lord did all that stuff to him and made him shut up, and Job finally gets a chance to speak here. He starts in 42 verse 1. says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. Job is now fully persuaded. You never hear him at this point bellyache about one thing that's happened in the last 41 chapters. Not one thing. His kids are still gone. His wealth is still gone. His three friends are still there. They just finished what they're saying. But they had to listen to Elihu. Elihu must have really put them all under conviction. And Job listened to everything that, that everybody said. Then he listened to God since from chapter 41 or... Uh, uh, 38, 39, 40, 41, and 42, 40, he's listening to God talk. And Job didn't have a, he, a couple times he said, I put my hand, oh, said, no, 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 this is, you're too far for that. We're, we're done past that, man. You, you stand up like a man and gird yourself, and you're going to listen. And when I get done, you know what's wrong with us today? We don't want to listen. Well, he raised his voice. <laughs> you wait till you get to heaven and Michael comes up to you and says something up there. Or, or you hear the trumpets or something go off like it. You think raising voice. Oh, man. We raised a bunch of... That's what we done. Oh, let's not do that. We don't want to hurt their little feelings. He said, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. Not some things. Not a few things. Everything. He said, he goes, uh, and that no thought can be with 
holding from me. He said, I can read your mind. Every now and you'll see a cartoon. Kids will be watching cartoons. He goes, I think they read my mind. Yeah, God can read your mind, by the way. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore, have I uttered that I understood not. You know, most of the time we'll say stuff that we don't even know what we're saying. Job, Job got that. He says, I understand not. Uh, uh, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare that unto me. Please tell me what I need. I need this. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, now, but now uh, I see with my eyes. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dushes and ashes. He just got to the place where he's fully persuaded. Now, I'm telling you, when a person gets to the place where they become fully persuaded, they are a totally different person. Because now everything they do, they're starting to look. You know, I, I do some weird stuff. I really do. But I try to put everything in the light of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. My flesh is flesh just like anybody else's flesh. But you try to put that thing right where it belongs. And you say, Lord, no. Lord, no. And you know, sometimes you fail. I fail too. I, I mess up big time sometimes. I sit there saying, nope, you ain't going to do this. Nope, you ain't going to do this. And you do it. I'm like, God, you stupid idiot. Why did you do that? It's like the flesh you're constantly, and Paul's constantly talking about uh, the old man versus the new man, and you're constantly fighting that thing back and forth. Uh, but the persuasion, he, he's sitting there talking, and then take your Bibles, go over to Acts. Being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Acts 26. There's a, there's a gentleman right here. Probably this, to me, it's one of the saddest verses in my Bible. Amen. King Agrippa. There's two Agrippas. First one is uh, 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 the one who died, Herod, Agrippa Herod, but this is the second one. And uh, this man right here knows a lot about uh, the church. Agrippa was raised uh, in the world he had, that, that was offered him. He's the Esau. He's your Esau. Uh, everything was offered to him at the time. He, I mean, he, he had everything. It, uh, it's splendor. It's wealth. Uh, he had the whole thing. Uh, the status was handed to him on a silver platter. He, he had it all. Uh, his knowledge of the Jewish religion uh, goes far beyond what the typical religions was. Uh, go to Acts 26, 27. Uh, if you go back just a couple, page, a couple verses... Uh, it says, uh, King Agrippa, Paul's talking. He says, King Agrippa, believest these things? Paul just gave uh, uh, his defense for himself that he had done nothing wrong and what he had talked about all the way through there. Uh, uh, Felix, uh, Felix back in 24, the other, the other uh, leader sitting there saying, and as he thus spake for himself. Now he's talking about judgment and righteousness and, and all the other stuff and Jesus Christ and him dying on the cross and all this stuff. And he's, he's preaching the gospel at him and, and Felix, uh, Festus is sitting there and, and, he, and he's, as he thus spake of himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but seeketh forth the, the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth, now he's talking to Agrippa, for the king knoweth of these things, before whom I also I'm speaking freely. For I am persuaded, fully persuaded. You know what gets people when you start preaching the gospel? You being persuaded. They'll look at you and they won't be able to shut up. They won't say a word. They can't because the Holy Spirit now gets involved in that thing. When Jesus said virtue went through him, you know what? Our Lord was fully persuaded. 
100%. I mean, 150, 200%. He was fully persuaded. That way the Holy Spirit could walk right through him. You know what our problem is? Is we're not fully, well, you know, I don't want to offend nobody or, or I don't want to say, oh, I'm just afraid. That. No, don't be afraid, man. Just get up the courage and do it, man. You'll find out it works. He goes, for the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. He knew it all. He watched Jesus Christ. He was probably there when the, he, they said he was the guardian of the temple that they built in Jerusalem. He might have been there the day when Jesus was 12 years old in there with the lawyers and the doctors and everything, stunning him. Grippa might have been right there with him as a little boy. Could have been. He goes, none of these things are hidden from him, for this was not done in a corner. He watched the ministry of Jesus Christ for three years. He knew of the healings. He knew of everything that happened. The blind people again, lepers being cleansed. He knew all that stuff. Paul said, I know you know this king. He's right in front of the king. He's in bonds. And he's going, king, I know. I know you know. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. Paul knew what Agrippa believed. You know, there's a lot of people who believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. There's a lot of people that believe he died on the cross and shed his blood at Calvary. There's a lot of people that believe he rose the third day. They just never trusted him. Agrippa says something here that's probably one of the saddest statements you'll ever read. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be, come, be a Christian. You can be fully persuaded, and if you're not fully persuaded, you're almost persuaded. When you cross over that thing where you're fully, then you're never uh, almost persuaded again. You're fully persuaded. You know what the world's trying to get you to do? Is be persuaded to move in their direction. <coughs> Vote for this. Do this. Give to this. I hate when people keep, you want to give a dollar to this? No. You say, well, that's awful mean. I don't like anybody trying to persuade me to do anything. If I want to give something, I'll give it. And I give a lot. I said, but don't try to persuade me to do anything because what, I don't know what you're saying is right. Well, there's these little African people over there, and they're just starving to death. My mom sent me this thing. And uh, bro, I'm glad Brother Tom in here. He'll get mad at me. Uh, oh, the people down in the hills of Kentucky, oh, they just need all our money because they, they show us these little pictures. I said, Mom, they're in America. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why do you think all the Kentucky people live in Ohio? Because they moved to get a job. I was born and raised in Kentucky. I can say exactly what I'm saying. If I stay in Kentucky because I'm stupid, I'm stupid. If there's not a job there, what do you want me to do? You go where the jobs are. That's why everybody comes up to, you know, originally Kentucky was nothing more than a hunting ground for all the Indians all the way around. They kept, because there was nothing there but animals. People are crazy, man. Agrippa, his knowledge of the Jews, I, I just read that. King Agrippa utters one of the saddest declarations right there, and he says, almost. But you know, after persuasion, what comes is the promise. Back in, in uh, Romans, Romans, just a couple minutes here, Romans chapter uh, 4. Romans chapter 4, it says, and being fully persuaded, Adam or Abraham was fully persuaded. Job became fully persuaded. After that comes the promises. Persuasion, the promises. Abraham got to watch Isaac being born, which was an amazing thing to him. Sarah laughed and was up on the side of a mountain, and, and uh, he was going to go down. And he, the Lord sent 
the Lord and two angels, I still think it was Michael and Gabriel, came down. And they went up there and had dinner with Abraham. I, I, I marvel at that. Every time I read that story, I marvel. He says he's not a respecter of any person. You know what that means? He'll be with any one of us any, at any time, just like he will anybody else. You've got to get fully persuaded. You know, Abraham was fully persuaded up on the side of that mountain. And as soon as the Lord came up, you know, the first thing he did, he said, we're going to cook him dinner. Sarah's probably said, that, we do that every single time. And, and Abraham says, go get me a ram. You don't need a ram. You don't need a lamb. We got some mutton over here. We got a leg of mutton. And I see, he goes, that's not enough. That's not enough. We need more. Me and Beth do that all the time. I'll tell her all the time. We need more. She goes, we don't need it. I said, we need more. More food, more food, more food. You got to have more food. I said, if there's, if there's leftovers, I love leftovers anyways. Let's just have more food. I always want to make sure there's enough for everybody. Most of the time, you come to my house to eat, I won't eat until you eat. When I know there's enough for everybody, then I'll sit down and eat. My daughter one time, did. she got all mad at me, and, and she made a big old plate. She said, Dad's going to get a plate. Now, you know what that told me is my daughter cared about me, even though I was mean to her as she was growing up. I won't tell you that was Elizabeth, but it was. You say, what was that? Well, because I think you ought to be hospitable, and you ought to care about the people walking in your home. You ought to do whatever you can to make them hot. You ought to be the most hospitable people you could possibly be. Why? Because Abraham was. They're your example's all through here. He got to watch Isaac. He thought for sure Ishmael was going to be it, and I'd never have. Lord said, hey, uh, oh, by the way, uh, this time next year, uh, your wife, 90-year-old Sarah back here, going to have a baby. Sarah starts laughing. Lord says, what are you laughing about? Oh, I didn't laugh. He said, you did too, you stinking liar. Didn't you ever read Romans 3.23? <laughs> you got a problem, woman. He didn't kill her. Why did the Lord never kill women, but he kills guys all the time? John, uh, Zachari Zachariah goes in the temple and the angel comes in there. Gabriel says, hey, your, your wife's going to have a baby. Same, same scenario. He goes, how am I going to know that? You ain't going to speak for stinking nine months. He slams him, man. Mm -hmm. He runs out the door, can't talk no more. Sarah, uh, uh, his, Elizabeth probably cared a lot about that. She probably enjoyed that for nine months. Nine months later, she has a baby and he starts talking right after that. But you sit there and look at that stuff. Here's Abraham back there thinking, I'm 100 years old, and you're going to tell me my wife's going to have a baby. And he gets to watch Isaac be born. There was a time back there that the Lord told him, he said, look up in the sky, man. You see the stars? There's billions and trillions of them out there. He said, he said as, the, as the numbers of stars, he said, so your seed will be too. He said, can you count the, uh, the sea sand, the sand on the seashores, the pebbles of sand? No, you can't. But he said, that'll be like your, your seed. That's going to be your seed, Abraham. Abraham believed him and has counted him for righteousness. You know how he got fully persuaded? He's sitting there now. He's looking at the promise. It's coming to fruition in front of his life. It took him a while. He sees Jacob. Jacob comes up at the end of Abraham's life, probably, I would say, maybe, maybe 15, 20, 25 years into Abraham's, the last part of his life. Jacob and Esau was born. And Abraham gets to see not only his son, but his grandsons. And he sees the thing start opening up, and the Lord's taking him, taking him down the road. I mean, you, you're going to see the promise. You know the promise? Job. Job got his promise. 42. Go back to Job real quick. Job didn't even ask. Job just shut his mouth, man. Job's perfectly happy just seeing God. You know what it ought to be? You ought to be just happy seeing God. First of all, Job is sitting there, and... Uh, the Lord stops with him and takes a turn at, I think it's Elihu. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Eliphaz. He looks at Eliphaz and says, you boys are in trouble. 
He said, because y'all didn't say the right thing to my servant Job. Job is my servant, and you talked to my servant the wrong way. And now you're going to pay for that thing, or else I'm going to take care of your problem. They do. Uh, in verse 10, it says, uh, 42, 10, it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Job is sitting there with, with boils all over his body. Job is sitting there with no kids, broke. And he's like, Father, he's like the, he's like the beggar sitting at the rich man's gate. He says, Father, forgive them, Lord. They, they didn't know what they were doing. Lord, I mean, he's talking right to God. I don't even know why he's bowing his head. He should be looking right at him. He may be. So, Lord, just forgive them. They, they're stupid. They're ignorant. They didn't know. I now know. They didn't know. And I was like them one day. But now I know. Would you forgive them? And it says right there, it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had. So his wealth, if he was a billionaire, now he's a two billionaire. If he had a trillion, he had two trillion. Uh, then, uh, then came unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all that had been uh, his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house and they, uh, and they bemoaned him and comforted him. Where were they at the beginning? Uh, him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and everyone uh, an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter and Job more than the beginning for he had 14,000 sheep, uh, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses, and he, and he had also seven sons and daughters. Gave him back everything. You know, Job got to see the promise that God would not leave him, never forsake him. And when Job got to the place where he was fully persuaded, God brought those promises in, and Job got to watch the kids. Uh, it says, after this, Job lived... 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. He watched God promise him something, give it to him, and then he watched the fulfilling of it. You know what Agrippa got? Nothing. He never, it never shows him anything with anything. There's a guy named, named uh, Charles Albert Tindley. Uh, he's, a, he's a black gentleman. He's born, uh, born in Berlin, Maryland, July the 7th, uh, 1851. His daddy was a slave. His mommy was a, uh, uh, was a free, free woman, which is okay, which is good. It was great. Hester died. Her, his dad died when he was very young. He was taken into his mother's sister's, Carolina's Miller's Robbins, in order to keep uh, his freedom. It seemed that he was uh, expected to work to help the family. In the book of sermons he wrote in 1932, he speaks of being hired out as a young boy. And my dad worked me to death, too. You know what you had to do? Back then, you had to work to live. If you want to eat, you went out and worked. It wasn't just given to you. You worked. You worked. You figured a way to make it. You did. That's why God gave you this up here. You got, two bra you got a brain, the right side and the left side. You can figure somehow between the two how to make a living. You can do it. It'll work. It'll work every single time. He goes out and he starts working. Uh, wherever his father could place him. He married Daisy Henry uh, when he was 17. Together they, brought, they had eight children, some of whom uh, would later assist him with the publications of his hymns. Tinley started writing hymns. Tinley was largely self-taught throughout his lifetime. Everybody said, oh, well, I didn't get this, and I didn't get this, and I didn't get an education. Uh, Tinley got one. Uh, he learned to read mostly on his own. After, uh, after, after he and Daisy moved to Philadelphia in 1875, he took correspondence courses toward becoming a Methodist minister. He did this while working uh, as a sexton building, uh, uh, sexton, uh, building caretaker. 
for the East Bainbridge Street Church. Beginning in uh, 1885, he was appointed the local bishop. And he goes on and on and on. In your little hymn book, for almost 150 years, this man is sitting there. You know what it fully persuaded is? I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Watch this. Here's a man who wrote this song. Nothing between my soul and my Savior, not of this world's delusive dreams. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine, there's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing prevent the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. That guy was a, could have been a slave at any given time. You don't hear nothing about that in here. He wrote song after song after song. You know what he kept it on? It's Jesus. There was another song he wrote, Stand By Me. When the, when, the life storms, uh, when the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship on the sea, thou who rulest wind and water, stand by me. Those are two great songs. He wrote all kinds of songs. He had a whole list of them there. I'm just sitting here. Here's a guy who, you know what he, he became? Fully persuaded. I'd like to ask you a question. I'm done. Are you fully persuaded this morning? Are you really fully persuaded that Jesus is your Lord? Are you fully persuaded that he is your God? Are you sold out to him? Or is there still something on this world that's got you almost persuaded? The saddest, one of the saddest verses I read there, King Agrippa, when he said, almost thou persuadest me. Felix was sitting back here. He said, Paul, much learning doth make thee mad. Felix is getting under conviction. And yet they did nothing about it. Brethren, you know what I did on, night, and, and on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky in 1980? I wrote that down here. I'm about to read that thing out. You already heard this thing a thousand times. But this is a little just... Back in 1980, I was full. I was persuaded. I was persuaded. There's a difference in being persuaded. You know what persuasion is? Persuasion is, is you believe, but you doubt. Vote for me. Well, you don't really, honestly, you don't believe they're really going to do everything they say, do you? But you got persuaded to vote for them. I don't care who you vote for. I don't think it matters anymore. But, it, but if you feel like you, people say, well, you ought to vote. If you don't vote, shut up. I'll say what I want to say. If you want to vote, you vote. You shut up. But anyways, you get persuaded to vote for one because somebody says something at the moment you like and you think that person's going to help. You'd be better to be like a monkey and go in there and just punk holes in the thing and you probably get it right. Maybe. You get it better than what we've got. You believe but doubt. And along that way, that's where Abraham, Abraham said, uh, the Lord said, Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldees. All right. Dad, what do you think about me leaving Ur of the Chaldees? I think it's a great idea. Let's go. And they stop at Haran. They believe, but they doubt. Something else can get in the way and just start taking away. After a while, Abraham leaves. You believe and don't let anything uh, in the way or dwell on things that will uh, negate the promises of God. You know what's wrong with a lot of us is we'll sit there and as soon as we get to the place where you, you want to get fully persuaded, we start dwelling on the negatives. 
Well, here's a man that was, was a mommy was, a, was freed, her daddy was a slave, and he had to run up north to hide so they, were, so they wouldn't make him a slave again. You don't hear that kind of stuff coming out of anybody's mouth today. But yet, here's a man. You do in some places. But, there's, but, but as far as the news media is going, they're going to run the, the bad stuff. Here's a guy sitting here saying there's nothing between. He, he knows who Jesus Christ is. And it doesn't matter really what happens in his life. He could care less. You know what he's going to do? He's going to try to help his people. He's going to try to do all the stuff he did. But he's going to write some hymns that we're still singing today. And I thank God for every single one of them. But he doesn't, he doesn't let negative stuff get in there. And you know what he did? He learned how to read. He learned how to write. And he became a pastor of a church. So he could start preaching to people and tell them about Jesus. Fully persuaded means you no longer hesitate. You know what Abraham had to do when Sarah had that baby? The Lord says, let's try this thing out, Abraham. I want, to take, I want you to take Isaac, your son that you love, more than anything else on this planet. I want you to take Isaac. And I want you to take him up on a mountainside. And I want you to kill him for me. I want you to sacrifice him to me. The lamb. I want the lamb. Will you do it? I bet you all the way up here, Abraham was, I, I bet you was tore up. But you know what he did? He was going to do what God said to do. And he said, I know that the Lord will bring you back to life. He's already made a promise about this guy. But he wasn't fully persuaded. Boy, when he held that knife up like this and got ready to draw that thing down on his son, the angel said, Stop! I bet you the angel actually reached out and grabbed his hand and stopped him. Because Abraham was probably already in emotion going down. And he goes, hey, there's a lamb over there. Go get him. We're done. You know what Abraham did? He became fully persuaded. And nothing was going to get in his way. Sometimes that has to be tested. And you need to know nothing is in your way. Is there something in your way today? On the back porch, I was fully persuaded that I was lost. I knew that I was undone. On that back porch... Uh, I knew that God was going to one day be my judge. And I don't know about you, but you don't want him to be your judge. I've been in front of judges, and some of them are lenient. He's not going to be lenient that day. He's gonna, it's going to be strict right down the law, but right down the books. I was undone in a sinner. I was fully persuaded of that. You didn't have to convince me of nothing. I was persuaded that Jesus died for my sins. And I took, I, I took up the offer. Now, it's taken me years to get where I'm at, thinking my thinking, and I've probably got years to go before I ever get to where, I'd, and I probably never will get there. But I know one thing today. I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I am fully persuaded. You couldn't take my salvation from me if you wanted to. There's just no way you could do it. I am fully, Paul is fully persuaded. Paul said, hey, I'm going to give you a picture of what fully persuasion is. It's Abraham. It's Job. It's not King Agrippa. Now, I don't know if Agrippa ever got saved. I hope he did. But by this story and walking away, it's over. You don't know. There's a lot of things could happen in life that you have no idea what happened. But I'd like to know today, are you fully persuaded? If not, right now would be a good time to get... You know, I've heard preachers say, here's an altar. You know, sometimes the best thing you do is just walk down there and say, Lord, I'm persuaded. And I just recommit myself back to you, and I'm just letting you know I'm persuaded uh, there's things in my life that aren't going the way it should be, and I'm going to change some of those. But, Lord, you know what you got? You got an altar to help you change that. Where's Adam at? Adam, you got a song? Or you want me to sing? I can sing, man. I got three, four songs right here. <laughs> altars, go, altars open. Are you fully persuaded today, or are you just partially persuaded? You know why your Christian life is way, the way it is? It's either you're fully persuaded or not. Got an, got an opportunity. Altars open if you want to come.